Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thinking Like a Bank, where we show you how to think like a bank using the same strategies and principles that banks use to help you find more financial freedom in your life. I'm your host, Sarah Ibrahim. One of the reasons why we started this show was to hear fascinating stories about entrepreneurs and their journeys. And for today's episode, episode I have with us today a very special guest. Her name is Farah Ali. She's a successful author, real estate professional, and entrepreneur with more than 18 years of professional experience in business. After overcoming a difficult divorce, Farah was forced to start over, raising two kids. She was a single work, working mother in the insurance industry. After beginning her career in 2001, she continued to dedicate every waking moment to her career and her two children. She experienced massive success in real estate, and in 2019, she co-founded We Win LLC, an organization that inspires, educates, and motivates women to invest in real estate. Today, Farah still remains committed to her career as an underwriting executive, while also keeping an eye on her real estate investing firm. In addition, she maintains an active role with the We Win Foundation, a foundation she helped to co-found in 2019 in order to give back to the community. Farah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm excited to learn more about, you know, talk about real estate and everything. But before we jump into that, do you mind sharing with us your background and how you got into real estate? Yeah, for sure. Uh, So the reason why I got into real estate was because um, I had to figure out how to make more money. And, you know, at the time I had a full-time job and it was paying me, you know, pretty decent income. Uh, But I was in a situation where I had to separate from um, my husband at the time. And the way I had to separate was one in which I couldn't let him know immediately. So I had to basically take uh, a few pair of clothing and, you know, I rented a house that was about 10, 15 minutes away and walked into an empty house. I couldn't take anything with me, no furniture, um, nothing, because like I said, I couldn't really tell him that I was going to separate. Um, But what I did have was two uh, young kids that I had, you know, um, responsibility for. So we all walked into this to this home, empty house. And from there, I had to figure out how to build up, you know, from buying tables, furniture, and then, you know, just the, you know, the income, the money I was making from work was enough for like the day-to-day income, right? But then as I knew that as the kids got older, I would have more and more expenses. And I already knew that I wasn't gonna get child support um, because he wasn't working at the time. So I'm like, oh my God, I have to figure this out by myself. And that's kind of what got me into real estate investing because when I started researching online and you know how most people just type in like how to make more money or whatever, (laughs) how to create wealth, right? Mm -hmm. So I I, I did that and all the articles and uh, books that I was reading, um, wealth really truly came from real estate. You know, Mm -hmm. there's other ways to make money like stocks and things like that. But according to my research, you know, I felt like real estate was the way to go. So I ended up going into a a seminar um, and from that seminar, I was really blown away by the information and uh, I ended up hiring um, the guy that had the seminar. I ended up hiring him Mm -hmm. uh, to coach me because he does like a coaching program and uh, it's a, it's a class. And then from there, basically I was able to learn from, I mean, having no experience at all, um, learn how to invest, where to find the money, how to do a rehab, all of it from A to Z type of thing. So that's kind of how, how I, you know, got into real estate basically because of, I guess, my desperate situation that I mm-hmm. into. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and I appreciate you sharing the story. You know, I, I think a lot of 
you know, I, I also read a lot of books too. And a lot of books that I read where like people are become like super successful is because of some sort of hardship they've had in their life. They, they, they had no other choice, but to be successful. So I, I think that really resonates the story you just mentioned. And, and I appreciate you sharing that now, um, how so far with your experience with coaching, how like significant is that to you? Like how, um, how much of an impact has it, has that had on your life? Um, I don't think I would have been successful without a coach, honestly, or it might have taken me a lot longer. Mm -hmm. um, the nice thing with having a mentor or a coach is that you don't make not, not only the educational part, but mm -hmm. you don't make mistakes that newer investors or investors would normally make. So if you have somebody who's done, you know, 100, 200, 300 plus properties, they've already been through all the mistakes, you mm -hmm. know, they already, mm -hmm. it's really, it becomes like part of their gut intuition, right? Yeah, yeah. So those are the type of people that you want to start working with, where people can look at a property and be like, no, stay away from that one. Because mm -hmm. that's how, that's why a lot of people, I think, some people have a sour taste in their mouth about real estate, yeah. is because they're doing it the wrong way. If you do it the right, the right way, um, mm -hmm. there's really no issue. I mean, I've done over 60 transactions in the past six years, real estate mm -hmm. transactions between flips, wholesales, and actually having single family rentals. And, um, not one of them, not one of them have I lost any money. Okay. And that's so, because of, of having somebody to kind of teach you and, and handhold you throughout the way. Yeah. That, that's actually a good example. Do you mind sharing, like, for example, like you're in Chicago, right? In the Chicagoland area. Yes. Yeah, so, so am I. Um, so like, for, for example, if you were in a suburb of Chicago looking at a, a single family home and then the intention was to flip it, what are some indicators you would look at to see if it was a good deal or not? All right. So the first thing, um, I'll, I'll give an example of two flips that I've recently uh, have done. One I closed on a week ago and one I'm closing on in the next week. Uh, they're in both of our, both of them are in Broadview. Mm -hmm. So what what you look for is, you know, obviously the area, you have to analyze the area that you're investing in. So is it a good area for rentals, a good area for flips? Is it desirable by people? Um, what type of people are moving into that area? And then obviously buying it at the right price. Both mm -hmm. of these properties were listed on the market, MLS. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, you have to also pay attention to what the market is doing, right? Right now, the market is super, super hot, right? Yeah. So you know that if you even sell it for these properties, the offers are being made $10,000, $15,000 above list price, right? Yeah. So I had that in my mind. So I probably paid $5,000 more than I would have last year, but mm -hmm. that's okay because I know how the market is going. Um, and then I knew that there in that area, there were going to be, there's, it's a bread and butter area, right? Yeah. So the pocket, the pool of people who are buying is a lot more than like, let's just say, in Hinsdale or Burr Ridge, yeah. where you have million dollar homes there, but the pool of people buying is a lot smaller because not everybody is that, mm -hmm. you know, that, that type of wealth, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. just kind of keeping those things in mind, but purchasing, um, purchasing the property at the right price is key to everything. If you're not buying it at the right price, then your deal is not going to work mm -hmm. because we're buying distressed properties or properties that need some updates. Mm -hmm. And that's where you, um, where you have that discounted price. And then from there, you just you know, rehab it and it appraises for a lot more and either you, you know, flip it or if it works for a rental, you rent it. And how are you coming across capital to buy these? Let's say, for example, to use even numbers, the property is $100,000. Um, mm -hmm. How would you buy that? Uh, so I personally use a private money lender. 
-hmm. I have uh, several of them. Um, I started out with using one. So part of this mentorship that I have, there's a whole group of people mm -hmm. um, who kind of help each other out. You know, we have private money lenders, we have contractors, trade, all of that in there, right? In this support group. And um, my first property I did was from a private money lender and they funded 100% of oh, my wow. purchase and my rehab. And so if you look at my situation where I told you that I didn't have any money, I really didn't have any money. So I am, I feel very, very blessed that I'm a part of this group because if I didn't have 100% financing, it would take me another year or so to save up that kind of money mm -hmm. to be able to put, you know, 10% down or, or whatever, you know, with these hard money lenders that they require or mm -hmm. even 20% down for retail. So, um, so everything was funded. And then once I fixed it up and I refinanced it, the, the loan that I had, the long-term loan paid off my private money lender completely in full. I actually had um, money that I could have even taken out because it appraised for higher, but yeah. I chose not to. I just kept it in equity. Mm -hmm. And then I just did my second one. And from there, I just um, got to know other private money lenders in the group. And I was able to use, you know, I have like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 private money lenders right now that I have access to actually a lot more. Okay. And I try to use like my seven to eight top ones um, for investing. So, and they all do hundred percent financing. That's actually the first time I've heard of this. I, I, I obviously I'm aware of, of private, private money lending. And I know that it's usually 20 or 25% down. Um, but I didn't hear, I didn't know that you could do hundred percent. So like in the example, if it's a hundred thousand dollars for the property and then it needs like $10,000 in renovation, you could actually finance $110,000. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes, okay. And then what would be the typical interest rate on that? A typical interest rate depends on experience, but I'm going to say that for somebody that's new, mm -hmm. uh, it will be 12, 12% mm -hmm. and two points. And that's okay. kind of like standard. Um, so we always built that into the, the profit, right? When we're doing our numbers and calculation, we're like, mm -hmm. okay, this is what financing is going to cost. This is what the rehab is going to cost. Now this is what my offer should be. So we work it backwards. So that way it's a win-win. The private money makes some money off their yeah. you know, interest. It still works for the investor. And then as you gain more and more experience, like yeah. you can always negotiate with your lender, right? Maybe you do 10 um, you know, 10% and no points or 12% no points, whatever the case, right? So everybody's different. It's all relationship after that. But, you know, if you're going to get a hundred percent financing, I know some people are like, wow, 12%, two points, that's, that's high. Yeah. But no, not if you're going to, you know, be able to do a real estate deal. You can't be that picky, right? Let somebody yeah. else make a little bit of money or partner on a deal or whatever the case is. Exactly. Yeah. You can't have it every way. Like there, if you're, yes. if, if you don't have any money to start in real estate, like you don't have that many options. So when you do come across hundred percent financing through private money lending, even if it's 12 or 14% interest, I still think yeah. it's a good deal because that situation is much better than not doing any real estate at all. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people try to, you know, they don't have that mindset. They're like, no, I'm not going to pay that kind of, money. it's <laughs> actually not a lot. I mean, if it was your money, you would want that. Right. So yeah, yeah. if you're lending your money, you would want that. So you got to look at it both ways. Exactly. Yeah. And like you said, too, as you're getting more experience, the interest starts coming down because you start building more trust with the private money lenders. They know yeah. you and then they want you to keep like, for, like, for example, one thing we do with like, is like infinite banking, where we're, we're working with clients and helping them become their own source of financing. And one of the principles behind that is earning compound interest over time. And in the shoes of the private money lender, it's always smart to, even if the interest is going down, like from 14% to 10%, it's good to keep that money moving. 
So you're still, the private money lender is still making money. Even when the interest rates go down, they're still making money. So it's good to have these relationships. And like how you mentioned, you have a group now. So like besides the private money lenders, who else do you have in your group that you're working with? Um, so, um, you know, we're, we're all like a network of investors. Most of them here are in the Chicago area, but we are growing nationwide and stuff. We're doing, mm-hmm. we're going to be doing stuff in Florida together. Um, but, you know, it has a lot of other investors in there. And sometimes like if each one of like one of us has too much, too many deals on our plate, yeah. well, we'll kind of, you know, like, Hey, I've got this, I'll wholesale it to you or I'll give it to you. Cause I have too much going on. I mean, I've personally done 20 wholesales myself where I had too much. I'm only a one man show right now. Yeah, meaning yeah. Like, you know, I'm investing by myself. I don't have like a, 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 a business in the sense where I have people that I hire to mm-hmm. manage or anything like that. I manage all my properties. So, um, you know, if I have, let's just say seven, eight, nine deals going on at once, I'm still, you know, kind of working part-time. I have my kids that I'm taking care of. I'm part of this, we win, we win foundation. So I've got a lot going on, right? So there's only mm-hmm. so many deals I can handle. Mm-hmm. And so if I have too much going on, you know, like one of my investor friends or in, in the group or, you know, be like, Hey, I have this, do you want this um, deal? You know, I'd rather give it to somebody I know mm-hmm. than it just go off to somebody else, you know, that type of thing. So that's in our group. We have, you know, contractors, tradesmen, things like that, that we help each other. Um, yeah, I have a contractor that works on all my deals. I'm getting to know some more as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the mentors are in there, people who are more experienced than I am, people who are less experienced than I am. So I'll help mentor other people in the group. People help me. You know, we all have our areas of ex- expertise and yeah, it's just, it's just, you know, you grow and you feel more comfortable when you have a support system. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think, you know, that, that's a huge part of it. Like back to the coaching, obviously the coaching, the mentoring part is a huge impact yeah. too. Like I've also had that same in my life. Like I've, I've hired coaches, had mentors. So yeah, definitely it, it works. And um, I think this would be almost impossible to do like completely on your own, like no support system, no, you know, coaches. It would be very, I mean, not, it'd be possible, but it'd be very difficult to do. So yeah, thank you for, for sharing that now. So like, so as you're helping new people now get into real estate, are they all like active investors that you're helping? Or do you have any like passive limited partners too? Like somebody, for example, who's like Farah, you know, I, I'm a full-time doctor. I make $300,000 a year. I want to get into real estate, but I don't have the time to do anything with it. Could they just invest with you and then you would do the work and then they would get like a return from that? Is that something you have going on right now? Yeah, there are people, I personally don't do it, but there are people in our um, investing group that, you know, they don't, they have the time. So they partner up with somebody that, like you said, that's a, that's a busy professional. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they may do all the funding and, and they'll partner up with somebody, you know, so mm-hmm. it, it depends on the relationship, right? Um, so they won't charge any interest at all, mm-hmm. but they'll provide the funding to the deal and maybe, you know, do something here and there. Um as far as, I mean, there are a lot of different partnerships that can be made. You know, somebody who brings, the biggest thing is bringing the property to the table, right? Yeah. That's, if you don't have any property, you have nothing, you have no value. I mean, there's a, there's a flip that I just did recently. Um, and I had uh, my contractor be my partner in that deal uh-huh. because okay. I wanted my labor rates to be very, very low. Mm-hmm. So, um and he gets really, really awesome price and materials. Mm-hmm. So I want my labor rates to be low. So that way I'm like, you know what, on this deal, I'm going to partner with you. Yeah. Um, and so it was a big rehab. Now, if it's just like a, a small cosmetic thing where I yeah. know that nothing, no surprises are going to come up, then, you know, I'll do the deal myself. But I feel like if it's a, a rehab, like a, 
uh, sometimes a gut rehab maybe or full rehab I might partner with my contractor that way like he deals with everything like from A to Z you know from mm -hmm. maintaining the lawn to everything in the house and that way I can focus on more acquisitions so my team my part is uh, freed up right so it, your strategy will always change uh, depending on what's going on at the moment but it's good to kind of know the different strategies and different partnerships that you can have yeah, I like that. So in, in this example with the contractor, you pretty put, you pretty much paid for the services, I'm assuming, through potential profits that you were expecting from the property. In other words, instead of saying, I'll pay you up front for the labor, you partnered with the contractor and the contractor gets their money for their for their labor after the property is sold. Well, actually, in this case, I borrowed the money. Uh-huh. From the private money lender. So I was still paying him for his work, okay. but he gave me drastically reduced prices because he's a partner right so instead okay. of making you know 15 20 percent he's just charging me whatever his labor you know his cost is or mm -hmm. his subcontractor's cost is and not making any money of his own right and then he gets profit at the end yeah That's i like that a lot yeah it's yeah. it's it's a savvy way of 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 keeping deals moving and keeping your costs low so i like that. That's smart um, I was listening to you on another episode and you were saying that, you know, you, you read a lot of books. What are some books that you recommend about like real estate? Like if for people who want to get into real estate, what are some books that you recommend? Uh, so besides mine, of course, uh, oh, I'm yeah. say Rich, <laughs> uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was probably the, the one book that huh? got me really into the right mindset. Like I didn't know, you know, anything at all about real estate. I didn't even know a world of real estate really existed because mm -hmm. um, I was kind of in my you know own world of going to school then went to college for a few years and then you know got married and had kids so like it was just I was kind of raised in a box you know like mm -hmm. type of thing but when I got introduced when I read that book that's when I realized about the whole employee mindset and all that and um so that would be one um one book I read the millionaire next door that mm -hmm. was a good book too um I you know some of the other books that I read were not real estate related it was more um I guess like self-help for your mm -hmm. like mind and things like that like yeah. one big book for me uh was the power of now I think I was able to deal with um it's by Eckhart Tolle Tolle mm -hmm. or Tolle I don't know how to pronounce his last name uh -huh. but that book really helped me in trying to understand like you know, how to think in the now and not let your mind is always racing either into the future or into the past. Yes. Right. Like a lot of our worries is not based on what's happening to us at this moment right now. Yep. It's about what might happen and, or what has happened in the past, that baggage that we carry with us. So that book really helped me like through my separation and divorce, like just focus on at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I was able to focus on like what was happening in the moment forget about the future and the past so much and then yeah. start like taking action uh so that was like a i think that one of the biggest books that i had that, that from and from an impact from like a like a self-help you know and then yeah the next one would be rich dad poor dad yeah of course yeah rich dad poor dad i think is like the real estate 101 book right like that's yeah, like the, yeah i love that book i've read it a couple times and yeah it's it's a really good book and i like how you said like it's like a lot of people are in that mode where like they go to college, they graduate, they get a job. And then that's kind of the track they stay on. And then when you come to them and you say, Hey, let's buy a hundred properties. They're going to say, I don't have that much money right away. Like it's automatically a limit because they're not used to that kind of thinking. And, it's, and they're not to blame. Right. Because 
conventional wisdom teaches us you stay in your lane, you get a, you go to college, you get a job, you know, you, you, you follow certain patterns like other people. And then whereas real estate investing and creative financing and using private money lending and all the strategies you're talking about, these are all unconventional things. So I love it, you know, and books definitely open your eyes. And speaking of books, you have a book, right? Called um, Diaries of a Female, of a Female Real Estate Investor, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what sparked you to write this book? I actually wrote the book because I was getting a lot of questions mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, how I started because some of the friends that know me uh, know that, I, you know, I didn't have much. So like, how did you do it with, you know, with the, cause you didn't really have any money or how do you have the time to do it with the kids or how are you doing it working full time? Like all these questions kept coming to me. And I was like, you know what? I'm just, and, and I would give a response, but I felt like it was like a five minute response, right? Cause I can't like stand there and explain my life in three, four hours. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to put this all into a book. And then the next time somebody asked me, I'm like, here, here's a comprehensive, <laughs> you know, uh, answer to everything. So yeah, like it talks about um, how I prioritize with raising two kids on my own, like what are the, some of the strategies I use. I talked about how I did it while working full time. I mean, I've worked full time all my life. Just last year is when I actually moved from full time to part time because now I have all this other stuff going on that I want to focus on. And I was able to do that because of real estate investing. So how I managed that working full time, how I did it with no money, like the private money lending that we just discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those questions are answered in there. So it's a lot about like my personal journey. Mm-hmm. Um and how I did it, but it also goes into, and I wanted to make it educational as well, the book. Yeah. So I have like like actual case studies of five of my properties that I did with purchase price and rehab and the ARV, ARV meaning after, after repair value. So once yeah. I fixed it up, what it actually appraised for, you know, um, how I refinanced it uh, and then how I was able to scale up. So mm-hmm. all of that is in there so that people can kind of understand the process of um, knowing the basis, laying a good foundation, and then you know, hopefully, um, it's hopefully it's motivating, inspiring, so other people can get into it. And how was the process of writing? Like, how long did it take you? How, how did like how long like was it like super? Because um, I'm writing a book right now, and it's taking me a lot of work, like hours a day, and I'm still like every time I think I'm done. I still have like 10 more hours to go. And like, so did you come across those same things where it was just very time consuming to write the book? Um, it is time consuming. I think what helps is, you know, if you're ready to write a book, right? Like if you're excited to write a book, then mm-hmm. things, you know, you just, you just keep writing. Like if this was my story and, and I not like I have to go out and do research to write the mm-hmm. book, right? I'm writing about my personal experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm writing about my uh, deals. So it wasn't as hard. I was excited to write it. Um, yes, it takes time because you're like, wait, did I phrase that right? Or am I mm-hmm. trying to get the right point across? And you're absolutely right. You think you're going to be done. Like I thought I was going to be done with my book in like three weeks, but it took <laughs> me like a good six months. And, and it's because, you know, there's a lot of other things that, um, you know, in your life that you're doing, right. So yeah. I don't want to call them distractions because you have to do them, but yeah, yeah like you're, you're not just focused on writing a book. You still got your work. You still got your other stuff going on. Um, and I found that when I was writing the book, like I would write for like 40, 50 minutes and then I just needed a break. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, like I, you know, I'm going to take, do this again tomorrow type of yeah. thing. And sometimes I would go a week without even doing anything, but I really, 
actually finished the book when I when I got COVID in December 2020. <laughs> so I had like I had no choice but to stay home. I mean, like yeah. I was quarantined, so I couldn't do anything. So I'm like, you know what? How do I put this time to use? Because that's what I'm always thinking about. Like, how am I spending my time? How am I spending every moment of my time? Because that's really valuable to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, COVID, okay. I'm like, there's probably some opportunity in this that I'm not seeing. Cause it's not like I was like crazy sick. Yeah. I had like, you know, the, you know, the flu like symptoms and all that, but yeah. I'm like, okay. So I grabbed it and within two weeks during COVID, I finished it. Um, I would say the most annoying part is the editing, like re- rereading your yeah. book over and over again to make sure that when you get there, you're going to be like, Oh, but I did have an editor kind of help me yeah. um, with all of that. But yeah. But yeah, I took that opportunity to finish. <laughs> yeah, you, you when you keep reading the book over and over again, like you get sick of it. Like you just keep seeing yeah, the same words over and over. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, um, exactly. So I was I I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, um, you you have experience in the insurance industry. Like you you were an underwriter or you still are an underwriter for an insurance company. Yeah, I'm still in underwriting management. So underwriting manager, that's what I'm doing part-time Okay. Um, as of last year, but I've been an under, underwriting manager for a long time. I've been in the insurance industry for over 20 years. So it's all um, auto high risk insurance. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you, th- and do you think that, cause I also have a background too in insurance. I worked at okay. Allstate and, and a couple other insurance yeah. companies and I, and I was a broker too for commercial real estate. Um, do you think that um, the, the way that, like, for example, like when I would submit cases, I would have to talk to the underwriter and the underwriters would have their guidelines, right? They would say, all right, well, the home yeah, was sure. built between 1930 and 19, you know, this, the present, we could insure it if it was built before that. Do you, do you apply those same strategies to what you're doing right now with real estate, like thinking like an underwriter? Absolutely. I think it really helped with because uh, under in underwriting, you're constantly analyzing risks, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're like, okay. So I think that was that really helped because what, as I was analyzing properties, I did exactly that. Like I don't buy properties, you know, that are like built in the 1900s unless it's in the city of Chicago where they're brick and I yeah. you know they're pretty solid, right? <laughs> yeah. But like frame houses in the suburbs, I'm not buying because I'm sure something's gonna come up or whatever it is. So. I like let those go, but yeah, no, that I think really helped analyzing, doing the numbers because that's all I was doing. Um, we weren't in, in my, in our, in, when we underwrote, we underwrote books of businesses, not individual mm-hmm. policies. So, uh, uh, so like a lot of like data calculation and things like that, that we looked into. So, okay. Gotcha. So like if somebody, for example, um, was an independent agent and they had like a thousand policies in their book, you yeah. would, you would underwrite that. Yes, exactly. So because there's thousands of policies that are coming in daily. Yeah. So let's let's just say that independent agent. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, they submit us, let's just say for three months, all this business, right? We're looking at their loss ratio. We're looking at all other ratios, just see if everything's profitable. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we see an issue, we're like, okay, why is there an issue? Let's dig deep into the policies to see, are we getting stuff where they're mostly, you know, youthful drivers or people with a lot of accidents, things like that, to try to figure out what's causing the problem. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's actually pretty fun. You know, I, I actually, I, I think the subject is really intriguing, even, you know, um, aside from real estate, yeah. I think that the way that insurance companies think and about risk, I think it's really intriguing. They're always looking to grow their companies, but also grow it efficiently, not just take on every customer, but to take on certain types of customers. And I think high risk is actually a whole nother, it's completely different from your standard, you know, companies. So right. I, I, I like that. Yeah, definitely. 
Yes, it it def like like it it definitely did help, and I think anything in life that people do, you can always apply to real estate in yeah. some way, shape, or form. You know. Yeah. So you built your skills for a reason. Now you know apply where needed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and Farah, I I really appreciate you being on the show. I enjoyed our conversation. How can how can listeners connect with you? Uh, so a um, couple ways. One is if anyone's interested in getting into real estate, I do highly re- recommend the book Diaries of a Female Real Estate Investor. I also have a online course. Uh, mm-hmm. If you go on farahali.org, mm-hmm. um, I have a course that kind of it has a couple free gifts in there and a 24-minute free webinar mm-hmm. um, but to help people get started into investing. Uh, the course really is to lay a, a base foundation to real estate investing and to multiply your chances of succeeding. So like, you know how in our conversation, we talked about you, you said, I didn't even know there was hundred percent perfect yeah. money lending, right? Yeah. Like that's what I do is I tell you the things where, you know, you know how it is when you don't know what you don't know. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I do that. I like, I give you all that information so that you're aware mm-hmm. of what, um, what your strategies that you can use are based on your situation. Right. Okay. And then I have a lot of education. I have an attorney on there. I have mm-hmm. lenders on there, all of that. So um, that course is on there. Um, and then if people want to reach out to me personally, um, they can just email me at uh, rei at farahali.org. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's my personal email. And, you know, I'm checking that daily. So mm-hmm. hopefully I'll respond within 24 hours. But anyone that wants to get invested or has any questions and things like that. Okay. And then, and then I also uh-huh. have. I also have a, a platform for we win it's on Facebook mm-hmm. that we win one so trying to help uh, women get into investing I mean men are invited as, as well uh, <laughs> if they want to um, so that's kind of the different ways that you can get a hold of me okay perfect and then are you also active on LinkedIn yes I am on LinkedIn as well I just actually started getting active about, about a couple months ago because okay. I learned that once I have a course, I have to build my social media presence. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, you know, before I just had Facebook and, you know, I have Instagram now, which is Farah Ali 7, and I'm on LinkedIn as well. Okay. So I'm working on that. That's like my next thing. <laughs> and then how about a podcast? Do you want your own podcast? I don't have one. Uh, I mean, I did have one with We Win uh, with my partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, we actually called it a showcast. It's not a podcast showcast mm-hmm. because it was um, not just audio; it was visual too. So mm-hmm. we made up our own name. But we're looking at starting that up again. So uh, maybe in the next month or so, we'll have that, and I'll be on our We Win website on Facebook. Yeah. Okay, great. It's WeWinChicago.org. Okay, and I'll be sure to add in all the links that you mentioned in the show notes, okay. so that you guys can just click and, and connect with you, and hopefully they connect with you. Um, Farah, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to bringing you back on the show in the near future. Thank you. thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Thank you. Thanks. To learn more about what we do and how we can help you grow more wealth, please visit www.finassetprotection.com. That's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.